If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast. So hello and welcome to today's episode. I'd love to welcome you to Andy Perry. I just know Andy as Andy from Andy Urban Herbs, but I'd like him to introduce himself. So with no further ado, Andy, introduce yourself from Urban Herbs. Roz, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Um, when I actually appeared on um, a live session with you previously, um, we, we actually had the best chat, didn't we? We did. Um, honestly, like it just carried on because so many of your amazing members contacted me through Urban Herbs with follow-up questions. So it felt like that chat just carried on for months and months in the best possible way. Brilliant. Let's hope this one does too and that they carry on and they ask you lots of questions and they get involved with Urban Herbs. I love what you're doing. What you want to tell the listeners what you're involved with? Yeah. So um, for those of you who haven't met Urban Herbs before, uh, essentially, we're a stockist of unusual culinary herbs. Um, last year, we stocked around 90 different kinds of culinary herb plants and we sell them as plants. But we're also selling them as specifically a food product. So, for example, Vietnamese coriander, lime mint, strawberry mint, blackcurrant sage, unusual living flavours. And the crossover between food and plants is where we live because so many of our customers are foodies. But I think the reason why me and you have become friends is that actually so many people now are actually interested in using the foliage of the herbs for floral flower ranging. Yeah. And using the flowers themselves, because I'm very much hoping that we're going to talk about some of these amazing herbs that you can use (laughs) in flower arrangements, because so often we get messages from customers asking about weddings. And, you know, the idea of growing flowers for the daughter's wedding or the sister's wedding, maybe for your own wedding. It's become so popular now, hasn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we can talk about that. Actually, I did a little, I was walking around the, the farm today and I was thinking about the 10 best foliages to grow. It was really interesting. I was just thinking, yeah, cotinus and common nine bark and eucalyptus and all of that. But it still boils down to that all of that takes years. And to grow a eucalyptus for cutting can be anywhere between two and three years. And therefore, if you're setting up on your journey of a cutting patch, what can you get immediately? What can you get next year? And it always comes back to herbs. It absolutely revolves around herbs. So things like, you know, lemon balm, all of the mints, all sage, rosemary, bay. I I use them, borage, I use them all. And then Vietnamese coriander too. So we'll talk more about all of those in a minute. But um, they are definitely high up on my foliage lists. Yeah. And what's not to like, really, like foliage that looks stunning and smells amazing. And yeah. Maybe when everybody's had a bit to drink, you can take them and put them in a cocktail as well. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me, have you always been involved in gardening? You know, when did it all start? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, my route into this weird and wonderful world of growing herbs. Um, I didn't have a traditional route, whatever that is, into this industry. Um, In 2008, I graduated from university, having studied history and politics. And like everybody else, I didn't know what to do with my life. And uh, actually, 2008, the big financial crisis happened. (laughs) And so all the graduate schemes that I'd applied for just disappeared overnight. And I'd always liked growing things. So I studied a little bit of a course in horticulture. For those of you who know a bit about this, I studied for a national award in horticulture. And I did about three months of a one-year course because actually... It's a bit of a secret, Ross, that I share on social media regularly, but I, I had to drop out because I ran out of money. <laughs> and um, basically, I had a bit of a rethink. And I decided the way to make my way in the world, to make my fortune, would be, wait for it, to study for a master's in the history of religion. <laughs> and uh, mm. it, yeah, um, to actually to, take, to do the uh, tuition fee for this course, 
you can't take a loan out for uh, a master's. So it had to be self-funded. And I came up with an unusual way of self-funding. I did a business development course alongside the master's, free of charge at Birmingham University. Thank you very much, Birmingham. And I decided to build a polytunnel and I would pot up X number of herb plants and I'd sell them at a profit at local farmers markets and I worked out how many plugs I'd need to pay for my tuition fees. And guess what? I submitted my thesis while I was at a farmer's market. (laughs) But the degree finished and I enjoyed it. But the ultimate truth is that I had a moment where I paused and I thought, actually, I've got a business here that's absolutely thriving. I don't really need to apply for all these jobs and I've got a business that I love. And so back in 2010, I said to my then girlfriend, my now wife, I said, shall I give it one more year? And I've been giving it one more year ever since. (laughs) Um, I mean, I've got to stress that Urban Herbs did expand dramatically. It did um, thrive and, you know, we graduated from the farmer's market onto the thriving street food scene that was happening around that time. And we sold our product, our plant, alongside street food as a, as a food product. And it really resonated with a younger audience, people who'd never really thought about growing before. We started to go to food festivals, to a few flower shows. Flower shows weren't quite as much fun because there wasn't as much food there. No. <laughs> and we started to build an online presence. You know, if I'm going to use marketing speak, we started to develop an online brand. But essentially, what all it was, was we were sharing the joy of growing through social media. So many people connected with us. And um, in early 2020, uh, Boris Johnson went on television and told everyone to avoid mass gatherings and to stay at home. And as a business that sold all of their products at mass gatherings, all around the country, that put us in a bit of a predicament. And um, things got very, very serious financially. Um, This is something, a figure that I share quite regularly, that when you added up all of the invoices that we owed, we were minus £8,000 at one point. Been there, yeah. And um, in the space of one week, me and my wife built an online shop and very nervously we put on social media we, we could send her plants to you in the post. And we set up a little bell notification to go off when we get an order. And about two or three minutes later, the bell rang. And we did a silly little dance in, in the living room, you know, oh, we've got an order. And two minutes later, that bell would not stop ringing. So the tune that it actually became a bit of a problem. I mean, you know, we, we, we went from having a ruined business to a business that was so busy, we didn't know how many hours, where we'd find the hours, especially during lockdown, you know, to fulfill the orders. But we did. And on a serious level, you know, we will never stop being grateful to the people who supported us in that moment. And it's it's lovely because actually, I know some of them are your members actually, but they are, yeah. Yeah, some of the people that supported us back then, they're still customers now. And I suppose that's the really special thing because, you know, Ros, you have got a, a thriving community around you and you, you know how important that is yeah but when we receive an order for plants you know okay full disclosure we we do process a lot of orders now you know the business has expanded but if ever i'm in the packing room and the label printer goes off and i look down at the label printer i will recognize people's names mm. i will know the people who order every week every other week every month the people who take the time out of their day to taggers when their delivery arrives and they give us the excitement because when you've been around 3,000 pots of strawberry mint you lose the love for it slightly you sort of it becomes oh yeah there's a strawberry mint that order's got three strawberry mint but when somebody meets it for the first time and they they encounter it and they put on Instagram their reaction to it wow it just makes me love my job all over again yeah I'm the same as you I mean starting out you know obviously I've been a flower farmer for 12 years but going to online and doing online courses and people have been really loyal and I'm very humbled by that you know and, and they took course during COVID and then I'll recognize they'll come back for another one and do something different and then they'll join our membership and I'll know all of them now I'll know all their names and I'm the same as you I still get excited with the people that carry on supporting us um, so yeah it matters it really matters. It, it really does and especially when you're doing a job, 
guess you could call it a job, like me and you kind of do, where you're working with nature, working with growing. It's a lifestyle. It, you, it's hard to describe it as a job sometimes. Yeah, I you're agree. so at, you're so at the mercy of so many things, and you're dealing with living, living things. But especially with the herb plants that we sell, they take people somewhere mentally. Yeah, yeah I think absolutely do. One of my customers works as a, I think the official title is psychotherapist, something like that. Yeah, like my daughter. Yeah. Yeah, and well, maybe your daughter can actually tell me if this is correct or not. But I believe what he said is that most people live most of their lives within the front cortex of the brain where, that deals with logic and reason and rationality. Yeah. But the sense of smell, it takes us back in, into the back cortex, the rear cortex of the brain that deals with emotion and nostalgia. And do you know something? I know exactly what he means. I really, you know, when I smell lime mint, when I smell rosemary, it takes me somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, Whatever's going on yeah, in my day, it, it takes me away from it. It definitely does. I will ask her that, actually, because today I was out um, cutting eucalyptus, because we're that time of year now, and eucalyptus has a very Christmas smell. It has that kind of mm. earthy, kind of beautiful, minty, I can't even describe it. And I thought, ooh, that's taking me back to some Christmases and, you know, fires and that sort of thing. So I will ask her, and we can be proved she'll give us the scientific reason, um, which will be really interesting. But I'm sure you're absolutely right, which is why people buy flowers, isn't it? They buy flowers because they, they're scented and because it takes them back to memories they've had. Um, at least British flowers do um, have, have scents. So so tell us what you're up to now, Andy. What are you up to now? You've come a long way, haven't you, growing herbs? What, what's the plan? What's the vision? Well, I'm immensely, immensely grateful and humbled that the business is still going. We talked a few minutes ago, Ros, and, you know, we've got some exciting things to share with people in this podcast. Yeah. This is the first time I've actually talked about some of this, thinking about it, but we're not done yet because the ethos behind Urban Herbs is very, very important to me. The idea that anyone can grow things. Anyone can grow this, this grow food. And I mean, wow, has there ever been a time when we need to grow food mm -hmm. more than we do now? You know, I'm not joking. It's it's quite serious times for so many people. And I think growing food, getting outside, engaging with the well-being side of things, it is so important. And one of the things that I am very, very passionate about is encouraging people that they can grow. So be it on a, a personal level, on your windowsill. Yeah. In your back garden, if you've got a new build, you can grow things. So that's one of my passions. But one of my other passions is on a bigger level, encouraging people to take it further, to get involved in the horticultural industry, because I'm going to let you on a little secret, Roz, and this is just my opinion, that for too long, the business model within horticulture has been that you become successful and you pull the ladder up behind you as fast as you can. And we can't do that. We can't do that anymore because we no. need more young people coming into this industry. And actually, age is slightly irrelevant to this because people that I've been talking to are changing careers and getting into yeah. horticulture. Yeah. But we need more young businesses. We need people to bring energy to it. We need people to take over the mantle because I am not joking. There are so many opportunities out there. You know? Agreed. Um, ever since that day in 2020, we don't talk about strengths and weaknesses. We talk about strengths and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And there are so many opportunities out there, especially for British growers at the moment. Um, I know everybody listening to this will have different opinions and um, the reality is that Brexit has put some barriers in place, but it has also provided opportunities because the costs of everything have, has increased and we're in a difficult situation. But actually, because of the difficulty of bringing plant material into the UK now, the opportunities for British growers, coupled with the huge interest and uptake in gardening, the opportunities are there. I personally believe that what is lacking is the confidence and the knowledge. Yeah. So you asked me what I've been up to. Well, by the time this podcast is released, people will know that I've actually written a book. <laughs> and it is a fairly big deal. Because... Oof, I've done one. I know what it is. a much, much bigger deal than you would ever think it's going to be. Absolutely. And 
I had to write it during the busiest time of our, our year. I don't know quite how I managed to do it. But massive, massive shout out to the publisher of this book, Hardy Grant, who they allowed me to write the book that I wanted to write. So just to be clear on this, this is not another gardening book. Yeah. It, perhaps at one stage I intended to write a gardening book. And one day I might, I might write a traditional how to grow this book. That's not what I've written. It's a lifestyle book. It's a book about how you can grow herbs. And it provides 12 really cool, fun projects that you can do to bring herbs into your daily life. So we're talking a pizza pantry, living pizza pantry. We're talking a cocktail herb garden. We're talking about a human recharge planter. And it's step by step. It's how you can do this at home. So I really, really hope that this inspires people to get growing. And I hope, I might be wrong about this, you know, Ros, nobody's read it yet. But I really, really hope that it inspires people to just have a go. Uh, it absolutely will, Andy, and I'll tell you why. My, I wrote a book called Seeds of Ours, and it was, it was during COVID, and it was about people's lives in COVID. So it wasn't a gardening book, and it wasn't about the 10 top cutting flowers you should have in your garden. It wasn't about that. It was about the changing lives that growing could make and that how people's lives were completely changed and how some of them did actually move into horticulture. But it was more of a really nice, easy read and some things you could do. And yours is similar in terms of it's a lifestyle. It doesn't show tell them how to grow, which herbs to grow and when to grow them and how to grow them. It's much more interesting than that. I think I think it's well, I'm expecting my copy. So I can't wait. So when when is it released? Tell us where we can get it or how is it released? So when this podcast is released, it will be available for pre order. And the uh, smart link is actually in the bio. Brilliant. Of, um, on, on our social media. And uh, yeah, it'll be dispatched to you just in time for spring, uh, late March 2023. Yeah. But don't worry, we're going to be sharing lots of teasers from the book <laughs> over the next few months because you know what? I'm really rather proud of it. And it's such, it is really hard. I know how much hard work it goes into writing a book. It's a labour of love for absolute certainty and it's a passion to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't wait. And, and I know know what it takes. So congratulations. I really, and, and it's lovely that it isn't just another gardening book because there are lots of gardening books. It's lovely to be something different. Yeah, and actually, you don't get me wrong, there is a um, an element of that. So there's a section at the beginning, which is a, an introduction to growing, a crash course to everything that you need to know about growing. But even that is demystifying things. Yeah. So there's a little section on, decoding the label that you get with a plant you know yeah. because as as growers i think so often we put barriers in place without even realizing that we are um you'll be surprised to know that the the book was proofread about a hundred times by different members of family <laughs> and i remember one of the early drafts i wrote something in a section that i was demystifying the um the language of growing and my wife read it and she said to me andy i don't know what a biennial is yeah. And I realised in a section that I'd actually written to demystify growing, I'd used a word like biennial. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess it's something that I repeat almost every single time I record any podcast. And it's a quote from Michelle Obama. She said that we all have to communicate to people that they're welcome at the table. Because so often we put those barriers in place without realising that we are, you know, we use Latin names because it lends us authority. Yeah. But it's the balance between accessibility and authority. I can use all these technical terms and I can make myself look really clever. But that doesn't really help anybody gain confidence in growing things. Um, your copy is going to be on the way to you now, Ros. Mm, I'm very excited. Very excited. No, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah, it's great. It's a great inspiration. It's it's great, to, like you say, to just get everybody involved in growing and, you know, we follow similar paths, don't we? You're very much food and herbs, and I'm obviously very much flowers. And we follow similar paths because we both have this passion to encourage anyone to do that. Anyone can grow 
flowers on their windowsill and put them outside. Anyone can do herbs on their window ledge and put them outside. So we have, we follow the same values of trying to change things. Absolutely. And something, again, that I'm really, really passionate about is that, you know, and this is a bit of a, perhaps this is controversial, I don't know, but you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of pounds to get your education in horticulture. Nope. Um, you know, we were talking just before we started recording and actually um, I believe that me and you are part of an exclusive club who actually don't have any quali- horticultural growing qualifications. Nope. I mean, actually, I suppose I've got one third of a national award in horticulture. That's that's even an imp- I've got a degree in environmental science. It's probably about as close as I got. Um, so it's more about the environment and insects and bees. But apart from that, I do not have an RHS. My, my team do. I have RHS three um, staff and all the rest of that. And it's brilliant. But no, um, mine's all been learned on the job. And I think that's quite powerful, to be honest. I think that actually when you learn on the job, you actually engage in a way. Maybe the people that you're interacting with and the people that you're looking to inspire, maybe that's how they're interacting with it as well. I think that's very powerful. I agree. So where does your inspiration come from, Andy? What drives you? Why do you get up in the morning and go, yep, it's another day. This is what we're going to do today. You have to be driven to do this. You have to have enormous amounts of energy. Where does your inspiration come from? I'm in it for the money, Ross. (laughs) Behave yourself. Do Do you know something? When you found the best song in the world, when you've seen the best movie, or you've discovered that amazing new hobby, you, you have to share it. You know that feeling where you've just witnessed something unbelievable and you just have to go and tell your friends? Yep. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. And I can't actually explain it. I know that the science around this, I know that the science that says when you touch the soil, um, it has a beneficial effect on you mentally. Yeah. I know the science about that, but I, I, I want to ignore that because I prefer to think of it as magic. <laughs> because it feels like magic. And one of my customers um, who was living on her own during the pandemic, she contacted me and she said, I'm living on my own. And, you know, she said the pandemic was a very dark time for me. And I can't imagine how tough that would be, actually. But it, 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 sound, it sounds really horrible. And she said, the herbs that you sent to me, I potted up on the windowsill of my studio flat in London. And I looked at them. I was lying in bed at the morning. I was thinking, why do I have to go? Why should I get out of bed? I've got nowhere to go nothing to do and she was looking at these pots of herbs on the windowsill and she said she had this fundamental realization if i don't get out of bed and if i don't water them they're going to die and i do not want that to happen you know i've got enough problems here as it is and that gives you the drive i think that's probably what spurs me on as well and now now i'm living vicariously through other people (laughs) what's Um, your favorite song then mine's mine is wait for this gloria Gaynor. i will survive as long as I know how to love. There you go. Yeah, that that was my rendition. That could have been the soundtrack for uh, 2020, couldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. My 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 favourite song is a little bit eclectic. Um, it's a song that speaks very very personally to me. It also happens to be one of the favourite songs of Barack Obama. I've mentioned Obama's twice now. Um, it's my first song by Jay Z. Oh, and okay. uh, in some very very difficult moments, that song has really helped me. People would never know, would they, that so many herbs were potted up listening to uh, Mr. Jay-Z. But it, it's true. Um, I've got visions of that and then visions of me going in the tunnel going, I will survive. No matter what happens, I will carry on. It will all be fine. Well, all of your listeners are going to be relieved to know that I'm not going to start rapping. <laughs> so what do you think is the greatest issue with small businesses like ours in the UK? I think... Within the growing sector specifically, honestly, I think it's lack of confidence and lack of knowledge. I think there are so many perceptions. Do you know something, Ros? I put a shout out on Instagram a couple of months ago and I asked people what is stopping them from embarking upon a growing business, a growing adventure. And the responses were so interesting, you know, that people saying that they can't afford to take a pay cut. That's, That's fair enough. They don't have access to land. They don't have the startup fund. And to be honest with you, I have quite strong opinions on this because I started my business. Now, okay, fair enough. I wasn't turning over hundreds of thousands of pounds, 
I paid my tuition fees and I made a profit mm. that I could live on. And that was literally growing herbs in my mom and dad's back garden. You can get a small polytunnel and you can have a play and you can build your confidence. And you know, if nothing else, you can turn it into a side hustle. You don't need loads of space. Agreed. Um, you do probably need some money, but you don't need a lot of money. Because I've got to stress this, Urban Herbs has never had any financial assistance. Um, oh, I tell a lie. We had £500 from the um, the business development course that I did at Birmingham University, which I used to print banners and uh, make hoodies with what we called Andrew's plants back then. Um, money well spent, I think. Um, for me, within horticulture, education and knowledge is the biggest thing that's holding people back. Mm. Now, um, back at the start of this year, I got a bee in my bonnet. I read a few things within the horticultural industry that fired me up. And I decided to, in addition to uh, running my own business, I thought I'm going to change the world. I'm going to certainly change the horticultural industry. And so many people, Ros, have, have approached me, young people, um, with an idea to start a business. They've approached me and they've they've asked me for advice. They've they've asked me for, you know, how can I start Urban Herbs but in Northern Ireland? How can I do that? And the thing is, is, I would love genuinely to just help everybody and, you know, just give them hours and hours and hours, but I can't no. because ultimately, yeah, you know, yeah. I've got a business. I genuinely, I love talking to people like that because they inspire me. So I actually appeared on a podcast alongside um, two guys who I'm now very good friends with called the Food Grower Podcast. And we had a bit of, bit of fun on the podcast and we carried on talking afterwards. And about two weeks later, I mentioned to one of them in a WhatsApp message that I'm planning to a revolution. I am planning to help young growing businesses who are growing food, looking to, to, to grow their own food, to, to start a little herb farm or to upgrade their market garden. I said to him, I want to change the world. I want to provide a support base a membership scheme or something to help these people. And Chris phoned me back about 10 minutes later and he said, mate, please don't do that because that's what we're about to launch. <laughs> and, you know, he said, please, can you come on board? And so I accepted the role as a director at Food Grower Academy and we launched in September. And Ros, the response has been so amazing. Mm. You know, I mean, okay, fair enough. We expected that we were going to get a few people who are looking to start a business. We thought we were going to get a few established but young businesses who want to learn about marketing and learn about taking it from a sort of a small business to a medium business. But what's amazed us is the people who have joined. Maybe they've got a small allotment and they just want to learn about growing food. They don't want to take it to a business level. The truly magical thing about those members is so many of them have contacted me and said, if my membership supports one young business and I just happen to turn up to a few workshops and I, I enjoy it, wow, it's worthwhile. And that's how amazing human beings are, Ross, to be honest, that yeah. even when mortgages are going up yeah. this much, people are still thinking about the future. I think that's really, really phenomenal, to be honest. I've seen great progress in, in the 12 years I've been a flower farmer about people wanting to join in to flower farming and, and get involved in flower farming and do it as a transitioning from a full-time career or just doing it as a hobby and then getting into it. And I've even noticed that we've launched our Blooming Business course, which we launch once a year. And our Blooming Business course is about encouraging people to go into business and cut flowers. And the increase in interest and most of them are pre-startup or startup phase, which is quite interesting. So whether COVID has said, okay, now there are other things you can do or other careers you can take and other ways you can get involved, but the definite increase in what people want to do in growing generally, um, COVID has done that, I'm sure, for all of us. I'm sure it's helped us all in, in, and helped everybody to think they can do something different. Yeah. I mean, can I throw the question back at you? What, what do you think? Could you name one thing that's the biggest barrier to somebody doing that? I think, yeah, they think they need land, which they don't. They think they need investment, which they don't. I started my business with three raised beds, three metres by one metre. The money is an issue because they have a career 
and how were they going to therefore give up that career and then transition into a career in flower farming. And I always say transition, do it over a number of years, give up one day a week of your job, give up two days a week of your job, do it part time, see you can make a business, get your marketing right, build it and and it will come. Don't believe that you can jump out of a full time job and start making money in horticulture the next Friday. Kind of doesn't work like that. So but I think they're the three barriers. I need land is a big barrier. But actually, horticultural land in the UK is very easy to get hold of in terms of renting and quite low cost. Secondly, I need money, which you don't. Um, you need a little bit of startup funding in order to buy some seeds, but that's it. Um, and I think knowledge, probably, you know, that most people yeah. who are starting a business wouldn't know. You know, marketing is so broad now and you have to be doing podcasts and you have to you have to be out there and you have to be visible and you have to be um, doing lots of social media and you have to write blogs, you have to get your website, and there is a massive marketing job to do. So I always say to people starting off in any new business, whether it's a new business in growing or in something else, that take an hour, my piece of advice would be to take an hour every day and think, what have I sold today? Yep. And sit back and think, well, if I'm not selling something today, I've got a problem. I need to be doing some marketing or I need to sell something or I need to get more visible or whatever it is, but an hour every day and set an alarm and sit down and think, what have I sold today? And that will focus the mind on trying to make a profitable business. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love what you said about the transition because that's really important. Um, I'm a big, big advocate for sort of the farmer's market model. So actually taking that plunge and, you know, I know everyone's busy. But even if you're working five days a week and, you know, you're growing some flowers in the back garden and you you just want to put your toe in the water and just see how it feels. Farmers markets are a great route to go, I think, because, yeah, yeah, okay, I don't I do not think that financially um, it will be the long term solution for your financial happiness. I, I really don't. Definitely not security because, you know, one one (laughs) rainy day and, you know, it's game over. That's it. But what you all learn doing markets is you'll interact with loads of people so number one in my opinion you will learn how to sell you'll become a bit of a chameleon and when somebody comes up to your stand you will just time and time again you'll learn to watch that person and learn from them and you'll see which which flowers they're attracted to which combinations they go for their instant reaction to your pricing to the condition of your product you will learn so much and if you do like one saturday a month two saturdays a month you will learn so much inside the first 12 months agreed 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 i mean we're, we're doing the london markets next year for exactly that reason um because we'll have loads of product and i have planted 20 i'm about to plant twenty-eight thousand tulips so it's quite big scale so you need a market to get it out to and i but i love it i'm a market trader and i love it and I've I've got no bones about the fact that I, I just enjoy it. So um, I think being out there is a good way of listening to your customers. So talking about our listeners who love cut, cut flowers, whether for profit or for pleasure, can we talk about the herbs that are that you believe are, are great for foliage and that they can get hold of? Absolutely. So um, obviously throughout the year, and this is one thing that I'm a big advocate of: embrace seasonality. So, um, so many garden experts and people that talk on this will steer you towards ideas that try to encourage you to provide hacks to get around seasonality. You know, they say, yeah. well, if you put something in a polytunnel, it will get a bit bigger, quicker, and it'll go longer. Well, that's probably true, but why not embrace seasonality? So, um, I recently provided, for example, some herb pots. Um, actually planted up in terracotta pots as centerpieces for weddings. And they were really, really interesting in terms of the clients because they specifically wanted autumnal-looking herbs, like woodland herb theme. Yeah. So at this time of year, we're recording this on what, the 4th of November. If I look outside now, you've got things like purple sage, lovely, lush, dark foliage. You've got barbecue rosemary, which produces these quite big, long stems that are perfect for cutting, actually, with that smoky aroma. You've got all the different varieties of thyme. You've got all the different varieties of sage. I mentioned purple sage, but you've got golden sage. 
um, grey sage. You've got so many options, even during the winter. Now, once we come into spring, I mean, you're going to have so many options. And that's where the fun starts, because you've got all the different funky varieties of mint, um, mm-hmm. which bring the different foliage, but also the aroma. And I actually think that lime mint is the one that people should grow for foliage. Um, the lime mint is really architectural in terms of the way it grows. It gets quite a big stem. But there's just something really bold about it, and the veins on the leaf look really cool. Also, it smells like lime, and you can put it in a cocktail. I mean, let's not go too <laughs> deep about this. Um, Blackcurrant sage. Really pretty, pretty flowers in the salvia family. So the foliage looks lovely, but I think we're going to be growing this for the flowers because it's in flower for just so long. I mean, this year, our blackcurrant sage started flowering, I think, maybe early June. And it's still in flower now. We just keep on cutting it. And everybody keeps tagging us on Instagram saying, you know, wow, it's still in flower. And it's kind of like thinking about it. It kind of does that every year. How cool is that? Um, Or another another variety that I would just quickly give a bit of a shout out to. Mojito mint. Have you come across that one, Ros? No. So it's got quite, I guess you could say fluffy, fluffy leaves. But it is the variety that you would use for a mojito. I mean, it just smells like a mojito for starters. But the leaves, you know, when something looks like, you know, a dress on Strictly Come Dancing, you know, um, they're going to do one of the Latin dances with the sort of the flared sort of skirt. That's what the foliage looks like. It looks it looks like a party mint. You know, it looks like a mint that has absolutely... That's have fun. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a mint that has no place in a learned discussion of her plant. It's come to have a party and it's going to be nice in a drink. And I think that would look quite nice in an arrangement as well. Ooh, lime mint, blackcurrant sage, mojito mint. I've got my list. And in the spring, they're available from you, are they, Andy? Yeah, so our online store opens around the second week of March. Um, it just depends a little bit on weather, um, but yeah. it'll be the, sort of the second week of March or the third week of March. But it's really worth, and do you know something? We do a lot on social media, but I always say to people, um, if you're listening to this podcast today, wherever you are, head over onto social media. Follow Urban Herbs UK, one word, on Instagram. Yeah. Because we are now heading into the most beautiful time of year. We're going to have Christmas. But then after Christmas, we're dreaming of spring. We're in the depths of winter. You know, January and February, my, my grand was a farmer and she always used to say that people think of winter and they think of December and January. It's always February that's the um, the <laughs> grim one. But, you know, we're in the depths of winter. But on our social media, we're going to be dreaming of spring. And, you know, the ex- I, I, it's like a kid before Christmas. I can feel the excitement building. Oh, yeah. And, you know, for me personally, I suppose the countdown to the book being released as well, it will be quite an emotional one because it'll be exciting to hear what people think you know kind of 30th of march the book comes out spring arrives um and i I just profoundly hope that everyone gets caught up in the excitement because i mean i'll be excited even if i'm in the tunnel on my own but (laughs) i'll be singing i'll send you a song it's like i mean we the same thing we're preparing for spring obviously when you're planting twenty-eight thousand tulips you're really excited for spring but then things like, I don't know how many plants we've got in our biggest polytunnel, maybe 5,000 plants at the moment. So for us, spring is that. Spring is the, the plant coming to life and getting it out there. And so winter's, oh, it's gone, gone. We're already thinking, we're, we're like a fashion designer. We're already in March. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's an exciting time, I think. And, you know, we are expanding as a business um, next spring. So we are, you know, we're recruiting a little bit and um, just trying to level up in terms of just how many herbs we can send out to people. Yeah. Because um, I think I think we've talked about this before, but it's the worst kept secret in the world that actually the, the, the core team here at Urban Herbs is myself and my mom. And, you know, between the two of us, we packed 90% of all the orders that were dispatched from here this year. 
that's that, tough. that was a lot of orders. Yeah. And yeah, you know, we are literally on a you know at a point where you know we're sending probably seven pallets of boxes a day on Monday and Tuesday in peak season. And you know, we're keeping DPD in business. I think um, I've got no reason to give them any sponsorship. By the way, so um, other couriers are available. Um, but you know, we we, we are hitting the uh, the limits of what we can do and we just want to reach as many people as possible we really do we just want to reach as many people as possible and that's why doing podcasts like this and just sharing the joy of growing because i know that me and you are very similar the way we look at this so it's just such a pleasure really to try and get the word out there as much as possible yeah no it's amazing i mean so tell us about your podcast you've got this podcast um, you've got this new venture. What's the podcast called? Yeah, so the podcast is called the Food Grower Podcast. And it's quite funny that I actually appeared on that as a guest last December and I've ended up hosting it now. But um, it's, just, it's, it's, it's lovely because I essentially met up with Jack and Chris, who are the guys who are running Food Grower Academy with me in London in February this year. And it was a sort of cards on the table moment that we we want to change the world. We want to actually encourage small scale food growing. We want to actually have a, a legacy, which isn't, you know, wow, we made some money and we sold a company and, uh, you know, none of us want that to be our legacy. Yeah. What we want and, you know, breaking news, we haven't announced all of these plans yet, but we do have some very, very big plans for the future. What we want is the legacy of looking around and being able to say, we seeded those businesses. No pun intended. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, you know, I've been on lots of business courses in my time and Cranfield business management courses and all sorts of things. And one of the big things people ask you is when you look back and you're sitting in your, I hope I'm sitting in my little chair under some Greek tree drinking <laughs> Retzina or something equally as awful. And when you're sitting there and you look back, what actually are people going, what's your legacy? What's actually going to be on your tombstone? What is it? Write it now and work towards that. And mine was always to change the face of British cut flowers, you know, to make more people grow cut flowers and change the whole face of, of the industry as a whole. And that's what I'd like to be remembered for. Not like you say, build a company, make lots of money. And it's not about that. It's about getting more people to grow more flowers and create more happiness which is where you are. You're, you're looking at getting people to involved and having small businesses and growing them and making them into something different. And that's a different legacy. But they say you should always look at that and look backwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very, very important. You know that if you've been on our social media, you know we're big believers in something called positive energy, which generally the idea that you, you get back the energy that you put out. And actually we try to keep things 100% positive, but it's also important to be real. and. Yeah. I'm going to be really frank with you. Over the last 12 years, Urban Herbs has had absolutely no support or funding from within our own industry. Mm. And this is an industry where there are precious few young people making a go of this. We can't keep, that cannot continue. There is now so much demand. People are into growing their own and it's just going to get more. That demand is just going to increase. And it's something I'm so passionate about because this is an industry that should welcome anyone. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your level of education is. It doesn't, do I even need to say it doesn't matter what your, your nationality is, what your ethnic background is, your gender. Agreed. But unfortunately I do need to say it because um, I think people need encouragement to join this industry. Everybody out there, everyone I speak to is lacking the confidence they're lacking yeah. the knowledge. They're lacking just the hand on the shoulder. Um, I'll tell you a really quick story, Ros. Earlier in the spring, and to anybody listening to this, um, get ready to nod your heads right now. But is it just me or a fungus gnats? The worst villain in the growing space. They are the worst villain in the growing space. Oh, there you go. I, I can't stand them, Ros. I really can't. Just even thinking about them now makes my skin crawl. And, oh, a couple of years ago, um, one of the tunnels, I saw there was a few fungus gnats and I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't actually experienced that problem on a commercial scale before. And I've got a friend who's a grower and uh, he's, he's the next youngest grower that I talk to and he's, he's 58. 
and I'm 35. So there you go. There's the age gap right there. But this guy, I phoned him up and I said, oh, I've got these fungus gnats. You know, I, I don't know what to do about it. And there and then, just quickly on the phone, he said, oh, I can't talk to you right now. I'm just busy. But he went, don't panic. Nothing major to worry about. He said, just scale back the watering, increase the ventilation, give me a call in three days. And that was all it took, you know, because, yeah. you know, a little bit of education here. Um, for anybody who is struggling with these horrible creatures, um, you know, fungus gnats live in the sort of the very top layer of the soil. Um, if the soil gets too damp and you get that kind of green on the top of pots, that's what fungus gnats basically love. And that's where they lay their eggs. Um, they're one of these pests, that actually, that they'll damage young plants and they can spread problems but they're mainly an aesthetic problem really but the point is is that i was able to contact that guy and there was no way that i'd get the answer that i would need if you type it into google because sometimes you don't even know what question to ask do you and he was able to just come back to me and say there you go you just need to do this don't do anything drastic there you go problem solved yeah. and he was right he was right and it's just the hand on the shoulder it's just that bit of guidance, and I think that's what people need. So I genuinely hope, in terms of legacy, that the legacy that we leave is a welcoming one to the next generation. Um, you know, And at Food Grower Academy, the Food Grower podcast, that's what I'm currently spending a lot of time doing, which is trying to build the ladder for other people to climb up. Because, you know, listening to me right now, I could be forgiven for, you know, the humble brag saying, you know, yeah, we've been going for 12 years. We've got there. But let's be honest, Ros, times are quite hard right now. And I'm not sure if people can take 12 years to build a functioning business. No. And the thing is, is with the work that I'm doing over at Food Grower, I just hope that people who are building a food growing business, maybe we can cut a few of the kinks out of the journey. Maybe we can, Absolutely. maybe we can shave seven, eight, nine years off off that journey um learn from a few of my adventures Abs i mean fundamentally yes i mean our blooming business course is all about it took me 12 years i don't think it should take 12 years um you know when i started out there wasn't really anywhere to go there wasn't really any online really and there was definitely no social media so you kind of learn as you went along, but it shouldn't take 12 years because who's got 12 years to, to start having a profitable, successful business? So like you, I have the same values in that we can instill that in people to cut some years out of that. Um, and I'm passionate about doing that because the more people go into the business, the more flowers we grow. So I'm back to my mission of, and therefore we'll import less and therefore we'll save our planet. So um, that's what's going to be my legacy. So tell us, Andy, where can people find you? Obviously, we're going to put in the show notes all of your details, but where's the best place for people to come and find you and learn out more, more about you? Well, rumour has it, we do have a website and that's where we sell all the plants. Um, and that is literally www.urban-herbs.co.uk. But as you're listening back to this podcast, f forget about that because our home is on social media. That's our village shop. That's where people gather. That's where we announce new varieties. And that's where we say good morning to people when they comment on our posts, you know. Um, I suppose the website is how we dispatch the plans. And, you know, perhaps we should start uploading blogs and things like that perhaps one day, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> but, we have to turn ourselves into media, pe media people too. Yeah, writing blogs. They're, that's on my, on my list, on my Christmas list. But I think at the end of the day, our social media is our home. We set out back in 2020, literally when um, the world looked like it was just coming down around us. We asked ourselves what we wanted from our social media, from our online community. And I suppose this is a mini goal. It's less lofty than trying to change the horticultural industry. But we wanted to create a village shop atmosphere within an online store. So, you know, instead of it being kind of like e-commerce and very impersonal and Amazon, we wanted to actually create a village shop atmosphere. You know, the, the people that order our herb plants, they're buying from people. They're buying from human beings. Um, you know, when you dispatch, I don't know, a thousand orders or whatever a week, just statistically, sometimes it goes wrong. 
Sometimes the DPD driver, you know, perhaps he leaves it in the wrong place or something incredible happens. Um, I'm going to share this with you really quickly, Ros. Last year, somewhere in the north of England, um, a driver delivered a box of herbs onto a boat at a marina, but he delivered it to the wrong boat. <laughs> and the boat actually set off down the river and was never seen again. So when these issues happen, the customers that we deal with, they know there's a human being here. They know that Andy or Teresa will sort it. It's not some you know faceless uh, online chat thing. When there's, you know, problems happen, when they do, we'll sort it. If you, you yeah. know, if you've ordered herbs for the very first time, and you don't know how to grow them. Send us a message. We will literally, I'll probably film you a video of like how I do it, and that's what we tried to do. We've tried to build a community, and that's what I'm most proud of, to be honest. We're still searching 500 tulips in um, Stoke-on-Trent, um, <laughs> <laughs> who went to a number 152, but was definitely not in the 152 it should have been, and the photo was definitely not in the road it should have been. And we're still trying to chat them down, but you're human, like you say. So 500 tulips will still go back out again. So, but Andy, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. It's an absolute pleasure to see what you're up to and that you're obviously moving forward with your podcast and that you're going to release a book and there's so much happening. And I will keep following you on your social media channels and I will be ordering my herbs in the spring in order to, because herbs are amazing cut flowers. So just remember that and um, and add them in. And also, of course, you can eat them. So well, I would love to thank you, Andy, for coming over today. And um, I, every time we speak, I learn something new. So thank you very much for joining me. It's no problem at all, Ros. I'm going to ambush you right now. So just before <laughs> the end of the podcast. And I haven't said this to you before, but next spring, why don't we create a collection of cut yeah. flowers and We'll offer your amazing members a little discount on that collection as well. How does that sound to you? That sounds amazing. How funny. We, I was thinking along the same lines and thinking that we could have a cut flower collection. We should do that. We should talk in January and we should put that together. There you go. That wasn't too bad an ambush, was it? No, that was brilliant. Let's do it. <laughs> so thank you and I'll see you soon. Cheers, Ros. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. If you're someone who has a passion for cut flowers, our environment, and wants to make the world more beautiful, you're in the right place. Whether you're growing flowers for pleasure or profit, I'm on a mission to empower flower enthusiasts and professionals to help change the world around them. Whether you're just starting out and need a helping hand, or are looking to scale a substantial flower business, I'm your cut flower woman. Welcome to the Cut Flower Podcast.